Hi, everybody. Welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host back in the basement a day later than usual to talk about the most recent television episode of Ring of Honor. I believe it's episode 524. I do apologize. I am a day late, as I said, getting down here. But my son's basketball league is actually kind of running. So we had a bit of an exhibition game yesterday and I'm coaching. So I was off doing that and then just sort of ran out of time in the day. So if you're a person who, I'm not sure that person exists, but is waiting for me to get out my Ring of Honor review every week, then I apologize. You had to wait an extra day. Actually, that might not be true. I know Kevin's out there. He's usually uh, listening to everything I do, which I appreciate, Kevin. So sorry for the, the one-day wait on this. But I am back down here to talk about some Ring of Honor. My teenage son did actually watch it with me, Jack. Um, he's very much a Taylor Rust fan of former NXT Briefly time who just got released and is kind of now back out on the indies and other places. So he was very interested to see he's going by Taylor Rust now. So he did watch it with me. And if you are interested, my son and I do a Saturday flagship show, we call it, where we talk about NXT and AEW and Impact Wrestling and some news and rumors and some trivia. And he always updates us on one of his passions in life, which is wrestling action figures, of which he's quite happy he picked up a... AEW Frankie Kazarian he was all excited came with the tag belt and then as he was just trying to loosen up the one leg because it was uh, a bit stiff the leg snapped off so we're gonna see if we can get a refund on it I highly doubt it but we're gonna try because he had it for less than a day before the leg snapped off and he was just trying to loosen it up a bit but anyways enough about that um welcome if you're a new listener I guess welcome back if you're a returning listener if you'd like to contact myself or my son, if you listen to our Saturday show, fnswrestling at gmail.com is the best way that comes to me, or fns underscore wrestling underscore podcast on Instagram. That'll go to Jack. Or you can leave a comment in YouTube if you're one of the few people that listens to this on YouTube. I promise you will get a reply from us, whether you're positive or negative about the podcast, or you just want to talk about wrestling in general. Let me know what you think. If you're a person who's watching ROH, what are you thinking of the product right now? Because I don't actually know anyone in real life that watches it other than myself. Not too many people watch wrestling in the circles that I sort of work in and socialize in. So that's why I like to come down here and talk to you guys, my listeners, a few listeners I think at least, about this uh, Ring of Honor product that I sort of started watching again when they rebooted it. What was that, during the pandemic or just before it or whatever it was. So anyways, I figure... Now's as good a time as any to get right into what we're here to talk about, and that is Ring of Honor episode 524. So this show actually starts off a little bit differently than the usual because no Quinn McKay at the desk. It goes right to, we see Violence Unlimited. All four of them are standing there. Chris Dickinson is going to speak for them, basically. So he starts out by telling us that they have a surprise in store for us since they've taken everyone out that has challenged them so far. He now challenges, I guess on behalf of the group, any four wrestlers to take them on. And then Brody King uh, sort of finishes up by saying that this is Violence Unlimited. And then Dan Housen walks up and saying, yes, very violent, um, before walking away, leaving Violence Unlimited, kind of looking confused about what just happened. So I thought this was fine as an opening segment. I think they mentioned last week, as it sort of uh, the show closes, they normally put up a graphic for what's coming the next week. And I think they did announce that Violence Unlimited would be taking on four mystery opponents this week. 
Um, so it was a really short promo. Dickinson's intensity is really good all the time. Super intense guy. And he was really the only one that said anything. Brody Lee just kind of added their finishing tagline sort of thing. Um, and I guess this was a change from having Quinn tell us about the match. And so I've been the one on here. If you guys listen, you know I've been saying that ROH need to find more ways to get people speaking and get more people on their shows, even if it's just for a minute. So I don't think I can really complain about them switching this open and actually getting these four guys on TV ahead of their match um, with a little bit to say. So, I mean, I'm not sure how I feel about Dan Housen getting involved with these four because his comedy character, I'm not sure how well it fits with Violence Unlimited, who are supposed to be this serious, tough, brawling group. But we'll see where it goes throughout the show, I guess. So we then get a graphic, a very simple graphic, a picture letting us know that Taylor Rust and Alex Zane will be taking on the Briscoes tonight, which is cool because I really like Taylor Rust. Um, I've been watching him since, well, he's been in Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, which is a sort of an indie promotion from obviously out in California that, I mean, on the app I have, it's free every week. I mean, it's not an amazing show, but you do see a lot of sort of independent guys that end up in other places, like Zoe Stark was there, um, Tyler Rust was there, there's been others as well that have sort of stopped along the way at that, so I'm quite familiar with him, and Alex Zane, honestly, I started looking into him when I know he got when I noticed that he got signed by NXT back when NXT was cool. No offense, NXT 2.0, but you're not very good. Um, so I checked some of his indie stuff out. He's got a crazy bunch of offensive moves, and then I just saw him on Impact. Saw uh, Impact this past week have a really good triple threat match that I highly recommend um, with Trey Miguel and oh my goodness, it's slipping me who the third one was. But anyways, it was a great match. I won't spend too much time trying to remember who that was. But it was an excellent match that I recommended. So I was kind of looking forward to that match. We then also see a graphic for Roxy, the 19-year-old women's champion of this company. Um, and it looks like she's making an appearance. But again, the graphic is literally just her name over top of her picture. So at least I sort of gleaned from that that she wouldn't be in a match, but probably out in some sort of speaking role. Then we get another graphic sort of advertising the Violence Unlimited versus four mystery opponents. I think the same graphic that appeared at the end of last week's show. So it's an in interesting change of pace, right? Again, this is normally the job of Quinn McKay. So I don't know if she's busy or they're just switching it up. But I'd honestly, it felt a little bit fresh, right? Because it's normally the very same formula. Quinn comes on, welcomes us, tells us what the matches are and away we go. So this did make things feel a little bit fresh. Not that I don't like Quinn because I do I think she does a really good job but I don't think there's anything wrong with changing up the formula a little bit so it felt a little bit fresh to me so the first match we get is Taylor Rust and Alex Zane taking on the Briscoes so again I think Rust and Zane are really talented guys so I was hoping they stick with ROH because at this point I don't know if they're signed I normally check on the news for a Ring of Honor and talk about anything on Saturdays on the main show in our news and rumors section and I know I talked about Trish Adora being signed, but I don't think any of either of these guys I've heard are officially signed. So they may just be a quick stopover. Um, so they do get a chance to speak ahead of their match in a segment, I guess, that was pre-recorded. So Zane talks about being 3-0 in ROH, which he is. And he says he'll now be 4-0 after winning his match alongside his bro, Taylor Rust. He then talks briefly about Bandito because he will face him, I think they said, in early November on Ring of Honor TV. They said that later in this show. I think it was that he won the gauntlet match, I believe it was called. So he gets a shot at the main championship. So that is actually a match I'd be very interested in as well. Love Bandito. 
really like what I've seen of Alex Thane in limited sort of matches so far. So I think that could be a pretty fun match. I mean, I don't think the outcome is really in doubt at all, but the match itself could be quite entertaining. So I, I probably look forward to checking that out. And if it's on Ring of Honor TV, I'll be down here talking about it as well. So Taylor then gets a little chance to speak. He says that before Zayn worries about Bandito, they're facing the legends that are damn boys, referring to the Briscoe brothers. Uh, he says the Briscoes are simply talent from the backwoods, and Rust and Zayn are world travelers, and they are here to claim the honor in Ring of Honor. Overall, a pretty generic promo, I thought, but I don't think Rust sounded very good, unfortunately. I do like him, but I don't know if cutting promos is his strength. And, I mean, I like the little reference to Bandito just to sort of remind us that that is the case and that Zayn will, in fact, be facing Bandito in the not-too-distant future. And, again, I would love to see that match. So the Briscoes get their chance to speak, obviously. So they talk about losing a tag match to OGK, but that that's just a bump in the road. They're still rolling at 100 like a freight train. They challenge Taylor and Zayn to bring it tonight. Uh, so this was standard Briscoe promo, which, and when I say standard, I don't mean bad. They're they're great. They have their own unique style, their own unique sort of speech patterns and vocabulary, lots of energy. So it's always the same with them, but I'm never disappointed, and it was really quick, so it was fine. So the match starts. We get holds and counters by Taylor and Mark Briscoe, with Taylor eventually trying to focus on Mark's arm. Some chops and kicks send Taylor into the Briscoe corner, so they're stomping him and making frequent tags, as they would. So we get a suplex by Mark Briscoe for a one count. Rust finally gets the opportunity to tag out after avoiding a Briscoe double team. They Irish whipped him into the ropes, I think. And Rust just kind of held on to the ropes to avoid whatever was coming. And they made a quick tag to Zayn. So Zayn's in. He cartwheels to escape something from the Briscoes. Hits a Hurricane Rana and a big forearm by Jay. Um, then a jumping chop to the head by Jay off of the apron to the floor onto Zayn. Mark suplexes Zane on the apron as everything's still outside, and the Briscoes then take out both of their opponents on the floor with some double teams. I think it was like an Irish whip into a clothesline, stuff like that. So then chops and strikes to Zane once we're back in the ring, and they isolate him. Uh, the Briscoes isolate Zane in their corner. Zane tries to fight his way out, but Mark hits a belly to belly before a corner clothesline and a running boot from Jay Briscoe. Zane ends up finally flipping out of a back suplex, lands on his feet, tags in uh, Taylor Rust. Rust lands forearms to both before a back kick and a scissor kick to each of the Briscoes. We get a, I think they called it a Goya lock. He's basically stretching the arms behind Mark Briscoe's back. It looks really painful. I thought it looked really cool. Um, so that's by uh, Taylor Rust. I keep wanting to call him Tyler Rust. I apologize. His name has changed slightly since leaving WWE. Ankle lock by Rust to Jay. Mark comes in to try and break things up, but he catches that boot as well and puts him in a... Um, ankle lock as well so everyone ends up on the floor again and then we get an inside out moonsault by alex zane to the briscoes that looked pretty nice back inside the ring rust hits a pump kick to mark who's seated on the top rope and then rust sort of bends over zane hand springs off of Rust's back catches a top rope rana to mark for a two count the briscoes then double team rust jay hits his jay driller and mark hits the froggy bow and just like that it's over and the briscoes win this match so being honest, as I always am with you guys, I was kind of disappointed in this match. The first half was really not very quick and was mostly just Rust and Zayn selling for the Briscoes before kind of a nice flurry for each leading to the finishing sequence that was pretty standard. Um, I honestly expected more. I thought this match would be faster. I thought it would be much more competitive than it was. Because like I said, I just saw Zayn wrestle an excellent match on Impact last week, so my expectations for this one were high. 
but he really wasn't working as quickly. Uh, definitely was not hitting a lot of the cool offense that he's capable of. I would have liked, if it were me, obviously fantasy booking at this point, I would have liked to see this match really set up to showcase the two newcomers. And if you really want the Briscoes to win, that's fine. But have these two newer talent really push them to the limit, really maybe carry most of the match, and then have the Briscoes go over in the end if you want. So Russ did get a brief stretch in here where he looked pretty good. But honestly, it's probably the least impressing, impressive showing that I've seen from Zayn in a little bit that I've seen him. He just really didn't get to open up his offense as much or work nearly as quickly as he did in the triple threat that I saw him in on impact. So he has a ton of cool looking offense, but he really only got to hit a couple of things here like the uh, inside out moonsault and maybe one or two other things. So this match, just the way it went and the result makes me wonder if Zayn and Rust aren't actually under contract, probably that they're maybe just there for a brief stint, right? Because this, to me, if you've signed these guys to a contract and you're trying to push them as new talent, they would probably have a little bit better showing in this match and even have this match built to sort of showcase them. So it feels it's more like they're kind of passing through and just in ROH for a little bit and then back onto the indies or wherever else, which is too bad because, I mean, I could be wrong completely. Obviously, I don't have any inside knowledge of anything. I'm just a guy in his basement talking about wrestling for a little bit. But it feels to me like this is not how you would book uh, two guys that you're hoping to focus on in the future. So I don't think this was a bad match and maybe my expectations were too high. I don't know. Or maybe it could also be um, because, uh, like I said, Jack, my teenage son, he's 14 years old. He was watching this with me because he's really excited to see Taylor Rust, right? So um, I don't think the match was bad, but considering the talent involved, it wasn't great either. Um, so PCO and Sledge are backstage uh, for some reason. I didn't. I don't remember if they've ever been involved in anything together. I, my memory's not the best, so forgive me, but it seemed random to me. So they're backstage. PCO is slamming a travel case on the ground repeatedly for some reason. Um, Danhausen interrupts. He has his jar of teeth. So he's trying to recruit the other two to join him to face Violence Unlimited. Then he sort of turns around and notices Flamita just across the room sitting on a couch. So he goes over and invites him to be the fourth. And Flamita just laughs, but Danhausen considers that, he basically says, to consider him booked. So I really hoped at this point, so this is just my notes from at the point in this show without knowing what happens later. So I was hoping that this was not the four because they almost made it seem like these mystery opponents, I guess I shouldn't say made it seem like, but I had built up in my mind that maybe there's at least a couple new people coming or the whole team is a bunch of new people or people that aren't regularly in ROH. Um, so I was kind of at this point disappointed because it looks like if this is actually the four, it's nobody new, nobody that's really believable beating Violence Unlimited at this point, and sort of Danhausen tends to be comedy, and uh, comedy matches in my main event, especially if it's going to get a bunch of time, which it feels like it will on this show, is not my sort of preference, but I thought that this little interaction was fine, and we'll see where it goes. I still thought at this point in the show there was a chance that this is the red herring or this is misleading us and we are actually getting a different uh, group of four that's going to take on Violence Unlimited. So at this point, I thought this was just their way of getting these guys on TV, uh, having Dan Housen do a little bit of his comedy stuff and, and move on. So it was in that sense, it was fine. We then um, have the ROH Women's Champion, Roxy, is introduced. She makes her way to the ring. I can't remember the name of the guy interviewing. Maybe it's Lenny Leonard. I'm not sure who it was. It's somebody anyways. It's not Ian Riccoboni. It's not Caprice Coleman. It's somebody else. So he asks Roxy 
um, what it means to be champion. She basically sounds really, really nervous, I'm not going to lie. But again, she's a 19-year-old. So me at 19, if you put me on TV having to like cut a promo, I would probably sound much, much worse. But she definitely sounds nervous. She says that it, may, it means everything to her. She goes on to say that her family was there to watch her fulfill her dreams. And she knew she would make history in ROH. She says she scratched and clawed and dedicated her entire life to becoming a wrestler, which made me chuckle, right? Because you're 19. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. And I'm not trying to downplay the fact that she has dedicated her life to becoming a wrestler, but it's not like she's 35 or 40 or something and been in this industry for 20 plus years. But I know she started really young, not trying to take anything away. It was just a, a funny choice of words, I thought. She then says she'll defend and retain this title against anyone, anywhere, anytime. So a great idea to make this your fighting babyface champion who will take on all comers because I think that's a pretty perfect role for her at this point in her career and the way she's been presented. She tells us the C in Roxy used to stand for confidence, but now it stands for champion. Then somebody's in, in uh, entrance music starts up and interrupts who I didn't recognize right away. But it turns out it's the allure, which is Mandy, Leon, and Angelina Love. So they head down to ringside. Mandy sort of takes exception to Roxy acting like she is the first champion. She's not acknowledging past champions. So the idea is that this championship has been gone for a long time, but it has existed at some point, I believe. Not when I was watching, maybe, when I was sort of in my hiatus from ROH. So Mandy Leone, and I don't think it's bad logic for her, is saying like you're acting like you're the first champion ever and you're not sort of thing. Um, so the Allure then get into the ring. Mandy says that this is the Allure's house. And Angelina Love adds that the C in Roxy does not stand for champion, but she can't actually say on TV what it stands for. So ha ha ha, obviously an inappropriate word, possibly the C word I would imagine. So then Miranda Alize interrupts her theme hits. She heads to the ring as well. Then Trisha Dora recently signed um, her music hits. She makes her way to the ring. Then Willow does the same thing right after that. And then Allison Kay. And then the final music and person to come out is Maria Bennett. So she's sort of in charge of the women's division here um, in ROH. So she stands at the top of the ramp, has a microphone with her and speaks to clarify this situation. She says she needs to clear the ring for the other matches tonight, so she quickly makes basically two three-way matches of the women who've obviously come down to the ring and feel like they have some sort of claim on a number one contendership. So she's putting those six into two three-way matches. Um, they'll face off the week, sorry, uh, coming in the near future, I guess. And then the winners of those will face off the week before final battle with the winner of that match obviously taking on Roxy at final battle. So overall, I did, and then that sort of ends that segment, because again, she's like, I need to get you guys out of the ring for the next match. So she says all that, and then it's pretty much over. And I did like this segment. As I said, Roxy definitely sounded nervous during her promo to start, but she's 19, and that's fine. I'm, I'm, it's not a big deal to me. She did a much better job, I thought, of acting nervous as more and more women, talented women, I suppose they would say, and I, I don't disagree. As they started to fill the ring, right, she starts to look nervous, and I thought she did a pretty good job of that. Um, and as a show that I always say struggles to get talent on TV and their limited one hour a week that they have, a segment like this gets this division some much-needed exposure, right? And it's a really simple, realistic way to do it. You now have a new champion, all of these people think they have a claim to this championship and want a shot at it, especially they're all sort of 
you know, champing at the bit to take on a 19-year-old who they probably see as uh, not experienced enough and that they would have a good chance of beating her. So nobody outside of Roxy, the Allure, and Maria said anything. All of the other women just had their their theme and they made their way to the ring. But I still thought this was a smart idea, right? So I complain frequently, if you listen to this show probably, about stars for this company being off TV for weeks at a time because they are like Bandito's the champion and you know we won't see him for three weeks or even hear anything about him really for three weeks at a time so a multi-person segment like this that gets six or seven people from this brand new division on TV makes a lot of sense to me and I actually liked it because this is again even though they didn't get to speak just seeing the faces, hearing their themes, seeing them enter, just getting to know these people in this new division, I think makes a lot of sense. So I was I was pretty fine with this. We then get uh, Caprice Coleman and Ian Riccoboni. So back from a commercial, they sort of recap the previous segment. And then they show us footage of Miranda Alize, who attacks Roxy from behind as Rox Roxy had left the ring and was heading up the ramp. And it turns out Quinn McKay comes out, I think, to... I don't know if she was already there or she came out, but it's definitely Quinn McKay. And she is there to help Roxy sort of afterward. So I thought this was a quick way to remind us that Alizé is a heel. And knowing that she's going to do things like this sort of adds a little bit to her character. So I was fine with that. I'm not sure why they made the choice of telling us about it afterward rather than showing us when it did happen. But maybe it was just in the interest of saving time or there was parts that didn't look good they need to cut out or something. So I didn't really have a problem with it. It helps just solidify Alizé as that type of heel, which I think is important. So I was okay with it. We then move into the main event, which is Violence Unlimited. And to my disappoint disappointment initially, it is the four opponents that it looked like it was going to be. So it's Danhausen, Sledge, PCO and Flamita. So you've got an interesting mixture here of, of personalities and heels and faces and comedy and serious. So interesting, at least. I was a little disappointed because, again, whenever you show me a graphic a week before of four guys are taking on four mystery opponents, I get my hopes up that it's somebody making a debut or somebody coming back or at least one or two people that are new to the company, but it's not. So I was a little disappointed when I saw that this was, in fact, the personnel for this match but who knows maybe it'll work out um so i guess that's maybe why they did sort of let us know who was in this match earlier in the show because if they didn't it would sort of i think people would start building up yes it's going to be somebody new so right away they were kind of like no no it's nobody new it's just these guys sort of forming right so i, I imagine that's why they did it early on in the show just to sort of end the suspense because they weren't bringing in anyone surprising or new so Homicide and Danhausen start out with some holds and counters in this one. Homicide, uh, Homicide then bites Danhausen's thumb. We get a nice cutter by Danhausen and a T-bone suplex before an STF, and Homicide has to get to the rope. So a nice little sequence there by Danhausen. I do. I'm not the biggest Danhausen fan, as I always say on this show. I do understand. There's a lot of people that just love, love, love him, and I get that he's doing something really different and unique and kind of fun. Uh, it just doesn't connect with me all of the time, but I was impressed with some of his work in this match, and I thought that was a nice little combination there. So Flamita and Deppin then tag in, and Flamita leans, lands a series of aggressive kicks and a shoulder tackle right away. Then a whole bunch of really quick maneuvers by these two, dodging each other near misses, and then so they sort of pause in a standoff. Violence Unlimited are applauding Deppin from their corner. We get a knee, a kick, and a basement drop kick by Deppin, who really, really showcased his quickness in this match. I was really impressed with Deppin 
and Deppen's uh, interactions with Flamita specifically. I thought uh, Deppen looked really strong in this match. So Dickinson's in. He hits a back elbow before whipping his own partner, Tony Deppen, in for an attack on Flamita. Sledge finally gets in. He floors Dickinson with a back elbow and a delayed vertical suplex for a two count. Dickinson gets his boots up in the corner of a charging sledge, hits a second rope shotgun dropkick before tagging in Brody King for the first time for some heavy stops, stomps and chops to sledge. So sledge is isolated now in the heel corner. Deppen is back in with a running forearm, forearm and running double knees to a seated sledge in the corner. Man, Deppen is really, really fast. Um, Dickinson's back in with kicks and a DDT for a two count. Homicide, Homicide finally tags in. He starts working Sledge's arm. We get chops and forearms by Sledge before Homicide is resorts to like gouging his face basically to stop the attack. So PCO and King finally tag in. PCO cleans house, knocks guys off the apron, takes everybody out sort of thing. Then we get the two big, big men in the middle. I think it was after a commercial for a strike exchange and then some chops. We get a what I classify a sloppy looking pop-up powerbomb by PCO for two. But then again, I mean, Brody King is a huge man and PCO is a rather old man, no offense to him. So the fact that he's hitting a pop-up powerbomb to a 300-pound man of any kind, I guess, is pretty impressive. We get a forearm, knees, and a pile driver by Brody King. But PCO gets up right away and starts to do his malfunctioning thing as the commentary always makes sure to let us know. He's malfunctioning! He's malfunctioning, right? I find that a little bit irritating. But anyways, so he goes to the heel corner and wants Brody to tag him in. So this malfunction apparently has cost PCO uh, knowing what team he's on. So he's now in the heel corner looking for a tag, and Brody does oblige him. So PCO chokeslams his own partner, Danhausen before taking out the other two as well. So PCO then wants Brody to chop him to sort of fire him up, I guess, and Brody obliges. Brody holds Sledge down. PCO hits a really weak moonsault, like his shins basically hit Sledge. I, know, I don't know. I'm, I think it's about time for PCO to sort of retire this move because it's starting to look a little bit dodgy most of the time when he does it now. Um, but anyways, the ref obviously isn't going to count the cover because PCO is pinning his own teammate here. So PCO sort of starts to, I guess the malfunction starts to clear. He starts to realize what team he's on. So Violence Unlimited clear him out of the ring and send him to the floor. Danhausen tries to hit a German to Brody King, but Brody King's just too big and Danhausen can't do it. We get a boot and a tornado DDT instead by Danhausen. Then he hits a Northern Light suplex to Deppen and a German suplex to Dickinson all in succession. So again, a little bit impressed by Danhausen in this match. I gotta give him credit where credit's due. Tornado kick by Dickinson slows Danhausen down finally, and Danhausen tags in Flamita. We get a handspring elbow by Flamita to Dickinson. Deppen hits a really sweet destroyer. I forget what they actually, I guess there's a technically a name for it. It's basically they're in a double knuckle lock, and Deppen ends up hitting a really nice looking destroyer out of it. PCO then hits a running sit out powerbomb to Deppen that definitely looks better than the pop up powerbomb to Brody King. PCO hits a clothesline to Homicide. And Sledge, uh, with a very dangerous-looking spinning slam, it's like he sort of started to drop Homicide or something. Anyways, it could have easily ended badly with Homicide on his head. And that doesn't bode well because it's not a very complicated move that Sledge was going for here, and it looked close to dangerous, I thought. Uh, Brody King then grabs Sledge and hits his Gonzo Bomb impressively for the win here. So this match was 
I found it really interesting because in contrast to the opener, right, which under-delivered for me, this match that I wasn't too interested in and was a little disappointed by the mystery opponents, it actually ended up over-delivering. Uh, it was pretty crazy and a lot of fun. Not that I don't think there was an even distribution of labor in this match. Like certain guys worked a lot more than other ones, but I think those choices were smart uh, because Deppen got a lot of time in this and I thought he looked really good especially in his time specifically with Flamita, just really got to showcase his speed and some of the diversity of his offense. I thought he looked really good. I thought they sort of limited Homicide and PCO's involvement. Um, and I thought that was smart as well. Sledge didn't get much time either uh, compared to Danhausen. And again, I thought Danhausen looked really good in this and he was doing not much comedic stuff here. There wasn't anything about the teeth or whatever. Outside of his reaction to Homicide biting his thumb, I didn't really, I don't remember Danhausen doing any comedy stuff. And honestly, his his offense looked pretty good here. He strung together a bunch of cool looking things. So I was pretty impressed with Danhausen. And they did let us know he's um, being trained. Oh my goodness, now I forget. They told us who he's being trained by. It was um, Alex Shelley and somebody else. But anyways, a couple impressive people. So he looks like he's improving. I thought he looked good here. So there were some sloppy parts for sure by PCO, had a couple, and Sledge definitely had one. And the result for this was never in doubt. Like, I never thought for a second that um, Dan Housen and his team were going to win. But nonetheless, I thought this had a lot of action, some really great speed on display from Deppen and Flamita, and even some nice work by Dan Housen. So I actually ended up really enjoying the match overall. So... Over, like I usually give my overall thoughts and grades here. So an interesting show for me, right? The match that, the match that I was looking forward to disappointed me, and the match that I didn't think looked very good on paper turned out to be really entertaining. And then in the middle, we got a solid women's segment that got a lot of that division on TV, which I think they needed. So I think that all adds up to me to a B show. I thought it was good, but not amazing. And there's nothing I would really say that if you're not watching ROH and you're just kind of listening to me talk about it to decide if you want to watch it or to go check out what's what's really good. Um, I don't think there was anything you need to go out of your way to watch, but I thought the, the main event was pretty fun. So if you're looking to fill some time this week with a, a little bit of wrestling, you might want to check out the main event. So yeah, a B show, which is good, but not great. Like I wasn't disappointed. I don't feel like my time was wasted. It's only when I'm fast forwarding commercials, like a 50 minute show or whatever it is. So I don't feel like I was disappointed, but nothing absolutely blew me away. But I did have fun with the main event. There were parts of the opener that were pretty good as well. It just wasn't what I was expecting. I was expecting it to be a lot faster, a lot more sort of um, opportunity for the new guys to showcase things. And they really didn't get much chance to. But again, a solid show, a solid B rating. Nothing wrong with that, ROH. So I, I mostly liked this show. I thought it was pretty good. So that's going to bring me to the end of this Ring of Honor 524 review. I always like to thank anybody that's giving me and my son when he's around any time listening to us. Again, we're just a couple of humongous wrestling nerds who, during this pandemic, decided to sit down and record conversations similar to what we normally have almost on a daily basis. And some people seem to be listening and enjoying it, so we really do appreciate if because I know there's a million wrestling podcasts out there. So anyone that's found this one, I really appreciate it if you would share it with anyone or post it anywhere or like us or whatever you need to do because we're not really good with the marketing of this, right? We have an Instagram, but my son just kind of, I don't think he does much with it. So any help we can get in pushing this podcast out there, we would really appreciate it. So thanks to all the listeners, whether you're new or returning, 
honestly love that somebody actually listens to us talk about this. Really do appreciate it. And I hope that you enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back for episode 64 of the flagship show on Saturday. So I hope that you will all tune in for that. And until then, take care.